Hi, welcome to another edition of Raiden's Family Lawman. I'm Rob Micklem, uh, one of the partners in Beaconsfield. I'm joined by William Hamm from our Birmingham office and Rory Laid from our Hampstead office. Today we're going to be looking at the impact of being a parent, and in particular for us, a father, on our approach to family law and whether it really makes a difference. For myself, I'm a father, I've got three children, a six-year-old boy, three-and-a-half-year-old, and a little two-month-old baby. And I know that Will and Rory will introduce themselves in a second as well and set out their situations, but we want to explore really how being a parent makes a difference, or we feel it makes a difference to us in our practice. So Will, uh, over to you, do you want to let us know a bit about your situation? Yes, thank you, Rob. Yes, and hello, everybody. Well, yes, I'm a father of four daughters, well, three daughters and one stepdaughter, and they range from my stepdaughter is 15. I then have an eight-year-old, a three-year-old, and the youngest is going to be two in January. And so if I mention that I've got a dog who's also female, I'm well and truly outnumbered at home for being the only man. But I think the first thing I perhaps should stress from the outset, before we can perhaps go on to have a more of a general conversation, is that for me, having children really gave me some context to the work that I carry out. And we can we can perhaps explore some of these themes later on in, in, in the podcast. But before I had children, when I was acting for parents who, who had kids and stuff, I don't think I was a bad lawyer at all, but it certainly has meant that I can relate to a lot of the problems and the issues that our clients are going through. And I'm sure Rob and Rory may well agree with me on that, but I'll say a bit more about that a bit later on. So perhaps Rory, would you like to comment upon your situation at home? Yes, I suppose uh, what I have is I have a two-year-old who keeps me very, very busy. And then I have a 10-month-old who has very recently just started crawling, sitting, climbing all in the space a couple of weeks. So he seems very eager all of a sudden to get going. So yes, the, the home environment is very busy, very enjoyable, but, but quite busy and quite hectic, especially the, the bedtime routine and getting them ready in the morning as well. I think just echoing what Will said there, I, I think it, it's a very good point. I believe I, I do look at my, my children matters slightly differently to how I used to previously. I think in particular, maybe the more practical elements of it I looked at before. Maybe I used to be looking at the bigger, grander legal issues as a you know, up-and-coming family lawyer looking for the, you know, the most complex cases going, whereas I think now I do look at the more practical arrangements of maybe more standard children cases slightly differently as I think we all encounter them, no matter what type of environment you have with children, just trying to really get through the day and make sure <laughs> things don't go up in flames trying to get a two-year-old to bed or whatever it may be. Yeah, I think you're both Absolutely right. I wouldn't want to say that I am a better solicitor than anyone who doesn't have a child. That's not it at all. I think all it is, William, as you very much clearly said, is it brings a different perspective, I suppose, to my practice and my ability to relate to the clients, the mothers and the fathers, you know, that, that we act for. And so I can more easily put myself, I suppose, in their position to really understand what it is they're dealing with on a daily basis. You know, when we're talking about school runs, I know how painful the school run can be in trying to get children out of the house in time or, you know, and to get to work and managing that work-life balance as a parent. And, you know, we're saying that probably from position of being fortunate in happy relationships with our partners, whereas the people we're obviously representing are often in a position of separating from their partners. So doing everything we're doing, but on their own. And I can realize how difficult that must be. And I think 
being able to draw on some of my own experience as a father does just help me better relate to the client to be able to really understand what's important for them and try to find ways to really sort of resolve these issues for them, but ultimately for the best interests of the children, which is what you know the focus is for everyone is. Will, you, you're in a particularly different situation to me and Rory, obviously, as a stepfather. So sort of a, a blended uh, family unit, which must bring, you know, different sort of aspect to things. Yes. Thank you, Rob. Yes, it, it very much does. My stepdaughter was five when I first met her mother. And obviously, she's been part of my life now for nearly 10 years. And I know that I would never, ever replace her dad. I wouldn't presume to. But she's very much a part of my family and I want to try and play my part in making sure shaping her for adulthood that she comes out as best as she can do. I'm quite lucky I think unlike probably a lot of parents that we might deal with in that relations with my stepdaughter's father are pretty good on the whole actually. It could be an awful lot worse. Yesterday for instance we're recording this podcast not long before Christmas. Uh, my stepdaughter came home with her dad and he'd given us some of his old Christmas decorations that he doesn't want anymore because he frankly hasn't got much use for a two-foot fluffy penguin in his living room anymore and things. So that has been quite a, a blessing to, to have that relationship. But equally, I've lived through difficulties in terms of sorting out, well, where my stepdaughter is going to be on a particular day and trying to coordinate diaries for, for instance, going on holidays and, and things like that. We've always been able to figure it out, but it's given me a sense that actually this could very easily go extremely badly and it can be a massive challenge for parents who have to come to terms and, and, and deal with that. One instance I, I think of as well concerns what would happen at Christmas, for instance. My wife has always been of the view that absolutely her daughter should spend time with both her and also her father, but the mechanics of when she goes from A to B around the Christmas period needs a fair bit of thought. And certainly, we've always tried to avoid as a family having the handover time taking place on Christmas Day itself, because it's quite hard to remove a child from that environment on the middle of Christmas Day with all the presents and everything. I fully understand, though, there isn't a one-size-fits-all solution to it, and different parents will have different ways of managing that particular issue. But certainly, it's something that I've always tried when advising clients, just to encourage them to think, well, actually, is this really the best time of that festive period to go from one family to another? And that's just one of many examples that I could perhaps point to. But yeah, so it's, it's certainly given a lot of context. It's interesting that because I think I can clearly see that, you know, the context you get from that. And I think, you know, as solicitors, one of the things we always talk about when it comes to children issues is that it's got to be in the best interest of the children. Everything you do has to be in the best interest of the children. And you know, for example, let's just, you know, as you're saying, Christmas, it might well be better for the mother or for the father for the handover to happen on Christmas Day. But is that best for the child? And, you know, Will, you were just saying, actually, it's really hard to pry a child away from the Christmas they're having and they're enjoying. And so I think that's a difficulty as well as, you know, we have to do or advise to do what's in the best interest of the children, even as sometimes as parents, you know, that may not always be the way we're thinking, because we as parents have our own agendas and you know we know you've got to get to here for this time and you've got to get to there for that time and children have got these routines and so maybe what we even do as parents isn't always on a daily basis daily decision like what is in the best interests of children we're doing it because 
that's what needs to happen. And, you know, that that's not a simple thing at all to do. And it, it makes me realize, you know, just how lucky I am, I suppose, to be able to have the support of my wife to assist with those things. And again, the idea that, you know, our clients are not going through potentially separating and having to do these things on their own makes it that much more difficult for them. And makes, you know, makes me realize that how hard it must be for them to always, always try and put the child's needs first when they've got their own, their own issues and things going on. That's very far from easy because, you, you know, you will always have your own concerns. Yes, I, I, th- I think that's absolutely right. And I look at the ages, I mean, my, my stepdaughter's now 15, but I look at the ages of my other children who range from very much preschool to midway through primary school. And I know how hard it is to get a three-year-old to do something. And, and if you've got a child who's very stubborn and is very determined, it can be very difficult indeed to try and get them to do anything. And then I see that then with clients I might act for who have got children of a similar age who have got what I perhaps don't have. And that's the emotional turmoil of going through a relationship breakdown as well. And it's very challenging indeed. So I I certainly can relate to that quite significantly in terms of, and I think it's made me be a a lot more empathetic to what our clients might be going through. Yeah, absolutely. I think that it is really important and it's a great thing to be able to bring, I think, to a matter, to a case, to a client. But I think there's, there's the other side, I suppose, of parenting and being, you know, within our profession or within any profession, really, you know, and that is actually just managing yourself and managing your, your own life around the work that we do. I mean, Rory, as you say, you've got a, a 10-month-old uh, at the moment who is very active, wanting to suddenly explore the world more. You've got a two-year-old you're trying to manage as well. I don't know if there's, you know, nurseries and things like that, or, but the logistics is not an easy thing to manage. Do you find you're able to sort of separate yourself from work and get back and do all the stuff you need to do as, as a dad as well? Well, I'll probably be looking for top tips from the two of you guys, to be honest with you, but it's a good point in, in fairness. I do think one thing I'm very conscious of is that when the day ends, when I'm dealing particularly with very small children and that you need to be able to switch off quite clearly from whatever may be on your mind. I know the situation may not really give you a choice one way or the other when you're trying to get an airplane into a toddler's mouth or whatever it may be. But if you just had a difficult day, I suppose my wife would be able to pick up on that. And, but I think it's a bit different when you're dealing with a child of a very small age that you, you do need to be able to switch off quite quickly and quite consciously from that, certainly for a couple hours until you kind of get through the, to the bedtime routine. And I think on that, we can deal with, I suppose, quite sensitive, often quite upsetting topics that they may be on your mind if you've been dealing with a particular type of case. But, but yeah, it, it can be, it, it can be quite difficult. Yeah. You don't want to bring that home, do you? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. You just want, you just have to be quite careful of it, I think. And, and the same with kind of the logistics, just making sure we don't really have the school run so much in, in the morning yet, but certainly just what my toddlers in nursery collecting her in the evening, we just make, need to make sure that one of us has it quite organized. I'm not sure that differ significant thing once they start going to school but it is something yeah we just have to be aware of and my wife is, remains on maternity leave when she goes back to work I think that may be well that we need to have a very clear joint diary of who's doing what on whichever specific day of the week it is really I'm not sure how, how you guys have kind of approached that I mean for me it is difficult and 
there has to be, I think it's the clear, try and get clear communication between for us or for me, for me and my wife as to who is able to do what and when. I think I'm very fortunate and I don't know if you guys benefit that where we work at Raiden's, we have quite a flexible policy, which is very nice. So, you know, on times I'm able to leave a bit earlier to be able to go and collect my children from school and bring them back. So, you know, on the occasions when my wife isn't able to, that I can be there to support her, which is great. But sometimes it's a logistical nightmare, I think, you know, and, you know, it's always going to be difficult. You've got potentially, you know, you've got the fact that you need to get back to be able to pick up your children because otherwise they're going to be standing at the school gates. You may have a client who wants you to do something, just one more thing before you leave the office, which is making you late. You've obviously got colleagues who you need to maybe supervise or or help or do other things as well. And you're in that sort of, I think, sort of horrible middle ground of sort of trying to be a good husband or partner, trying to be a good employee, trying to be a good father, and trying to fit all those three things together. You know, it's a, it's a difficult sort of tightrope to walk, I think. And I don't think there's a right answer to how to do it. I think you have to manage it as best you can for your circumstances. I mean, Will, you're the most experienced of us here as a, as, as a parent. Top tips from you. How do you guys manage it? Or how do you feel you manage it, maybe? Yes, well, I think communication is really, really important to making it work and being in charge of your diaries as well. So for instance, between my wife and I, we always make sure we see all the school newsletters to know when nativity plays are going to be in, to know when there's going to be school trips and to know when there's a non-school uniform day, all kinds of issues like that, that for both of us to be able to handle that is, uh, I think really you've got a fighting chance of being able to do it. And, and that kind of harks back to an earlier comment I made that if you're then having to go through the emotional stresses of a relationship breakdown at the same time, these little things for the children can be incredibly important because they don't want to be the only child turning up in school uniform when it's a non-school uniform day. And the more we can do to try and keep on top of that, the better for everybody. I was also thinking, actually, when you, you were chatting to Rory about the generally how the days look and the routines, and it really is a full-time job to be able to parent children effectively on, on, on its own if you allow it to. For me, I'm, I'm normally up and out the door by 6.30, but I, I know if, if the little ones wake up, if I'm still there, that can quite easily add another 45 minutes or an hour of my day just to try and help deal with them, get them dressed and out, and out the door. At the other end of the day, when I come home, yeah, I'm normally in by about seven, so it's the back end of trying to feed them dinner, get them into bed and, and all the rest of it. And I, I don't know if this, it's true for you guys, but small children aren't the best at trying to keep things tidy. And so more often than not, I come home, it looks like we've been burgled and then having to sort of reset all of that. So what that does mean is that for me, it affords me work-life balance is the phrase that I was you know, initially thinking of, but it means that if I have had a stressful day in the office, if there is a big case coming up that I'm concerned that I'm investing a lot of time in dealing with, I, I don't have the capacity or the bandwidth to be able to think about that because it's very much full on dealing with the kids when you're back at home. And I recognize that and I recognize that's a challenge for parents who are having to deal with it uh, as well. So yeah, I mean, uh, Rob, is that something that you can be familiar with? Absolutely. I, that sort of resonates with me, I guess. I think I have a very bad time at switching off. I, I'm bad at it. In particular, those days when I'm actually working at home and you go from pretty much instantly your little room where you may be working at home to very instantly being dad. There's no commute time or anything like that. 
And I'm often there trying to get supper ready, but still messaging or sending an email or something like that to work colleagues or to clients. And it's really bad. It's a hard thing to switch off. And I think the one of the things I think that I have to try and do is, is, is manage that, but also realize that I, and I think all parents, we're going to get it wrong sometimes, you know, and actually be okay with forgiving yourself about that. You know, we are all human. We are doing the absolute best we can for our children and for our families and for our work and for our clients and everybody. And it's not always going to go perfectly. And I think that's something which, as a lawyer, when you're advising clients, when you're in a case where you've got children issues and the mother or the father on the other side does something which your client doesn't like, or you know they do the drop off 10 minutes late or something like that, as part of the case, it's a very, you know, it's a big issue and it feels like someone might feel it's being done deliberately or like that. I think, I think a bit of like as a family lawyer, there's be the element of just you need to try to speak to your clients to understand that everyone is generally trying to do their best in this world of being a parent and managing their own professions and their, their lives and things like that. So trying to take the temper out of a lot of situations, maybe when it comes to children matters that we deal with, to understand that actually our clients, the people on the other side, they're probably 99% of the time doing their absolute best to manage their children, to manage their lives, and to hope to try and convince our clients to just sort of to understand that as well, that, you know, we get it because we have it in our own lives. They probably have it in their own lives as well on their side of the case. And so it's going to happen on the other side as well. And it's sort of trying to get everyone to understand that the best way for us to move things forward to help the case, to help the children, to help them, is to actually for me to put myself in their shoes and make myself realize what they're going through and try and help the client realize what everyone's going through as well. And we're just trying really to cope, I think, is what it is. Or at least it is on my stage. I don't know. Rory, maybe you're much better at coping than I am. I don't know. Yeah, I think kind of flowing from that, Rob, um, I think it's, I always try to, I suppose everyone tries to develop as strong a relationship as possible with your client to have that you know, the firm foundation for the solicitor client that there's a level of trust there. And if it is that from a certain time that, you know, I'm not going to be available because of bedtime routines and doing the airplane and whatnot, that the, the, the client essentially is aware of that. So it was about managing his or her expectations. Because as you said, what they're dealing with is their personal lives, really, not their professional life. So often they're trying to fit in basically their work with us around their professional commitments. You know, they often have their nine to five or whatever it may be themselves. And then they're trying to deal with this family case on top of it. So I find a lot of my clients will get back to me in the evenings for obvious reasons are kind of towards the end of the working day, maybe when they've gotten through the most important things in their working day. And the inclination then is to try and get back to them as soon as possible yourself. But if you're rushing out the door, it comes back to kind of what both of you were saying that there's always that kind of one last email or one last thing to do and it's just making sure you have that that relationship with a client it's not to be critical of clients but by any means you know as i said that it, it is really around their professional lives they're often trying to deal with this and it's just trying to get that relationship working as well as possible and it's something i think can often take a couple of weeks to get up and running with a client that you kind of not work each other out so much but kind of have that kind of synergy between you and the client about how you're going to work and often that can be dependent upon I suppose the solicitor on the other side as well, you know, how their communication comes across, the timing in their communications, 
if a letter comes in from the other side, you know, five to five, what essentially do you do to it? Just bang it across the client with no advice to wait till the next day. You know, it, 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 there are kinds of challenges of being a family lawyer, really, isn't it? It is. You're right. And I think actually you're absolutely spot on with the fact that you need to really talk to your client early about that because they're potentially parents, they're humans, if nothing else. And, you know, they understand the pressures that everybody is under. And actually, if you don't have that conversation, it's going to lead to greater difficulties or you know, expectations not being met. So I think trying to set those expectations early is very important, Rory. You're completely right. And that is a great way, I suspect, for managing stresses of a case which you may be putting yourself under more pressure than you need to because the client may not be expecting something from you whereas you're desperately trying to get it out but actually if it's not necessary if you've had that conversation with them and you can manage their expectations and case manage appropriately i think that's invaluable to managing probably their stress their case and your own stress and work-life balance as a you know solicitor father husband partner i think that's hugely important Will, I bet you agree too, yeah. Yeah, I do agree with that, Rob. And I think there's a broader point as well to be made. Nowadays, especially when we're in the days of emails and Zoom and Teams, and also where a lot of our clients are international, you could quite easily be sending emails, working on cases 24 hours a day if you allowed yourself to. So I think having that relationship with your client from day one is very important for our own practices and how we do it. So that understanding of when may or may not be convenient to communicate is really important. And you you often see, don't you, that some people will put footers on emails saying, I may be responding at this sort of time because this suits my own personal life. You're under no obligation to respond at that uh, that particular stage. So it's been a a very interesting discussion, hasn't it? It certainly has. And I think probably it wasn't the discussion I was necessarily expecting us to have, but it all sort of flowed out of it. And they're all issues that arise as a result of us, you know, and our, and our work and our, you know, our family situations. And I've no doubt we probably could carry on for another hour or so, at least chatting about the challenges and benefits and positives and everything that there is from being a father, being family law solicitor in the work that we do. But for the sake of our listeners, I think we better leave it there. But Will, Rory, both thank you very much. And I hope we'll speak again in the next one. Thanks very much. Goodbye, everyone. Yeah, thanks, guys. If you would like to find out more about the themes discussed in this podcast or learn more about Raid and Solicitors, please do visit our website www.raidandsolicitors.co.uk.